You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that hides behind the referee. With me are Karami Kamil. Morning, hello peeps. He's back from a long injury layoff after trying to get rid of a blister on his toe with a drill. <laughs> and uh, Nicholas John. Hello, hello. He is rumored to be in the running to take charge at Norwich. Meanwhile, I am Faisal American, who is not responsible enough to take charge of anything. Today, we're going to start with uh, Antonio Conte. Uh, his Tottenham side drew nil-nil away at Everton. Nick, uh, last week you said this will be the real test for Conte. So uh, what's your verdict? I think he did pretty well. Uh, Conte himself said that he's happy with the point, uh, considering he's only been in charge for a few days. Uh, but even then, already you can see the, the improvements in the Spurs team. They enjoyed more possession against Everton than they did in some of their earlier matches. They also had more uh, energy and had more of an intensity about them. Uh, look, let's be realistic. There's still a long way to go. And Conte does have a massive task ahead of him trying to get this team uh, back to firing on all, all cylinders again. But at least we can see uh, that the early signs of improvement are there. Uh, he should be happy because uh, if it wasn't for VAR, I think Tottenham would have lost that match. I, uh, Everton had a penalty chalked off, I guess. Uh, the referee gave the penalty when Richarlison was brought down by Yoris. But then I don't know why uh, the ref referred to VAR and reversed his decision, even though I think it was clear that it wasn't clear that whether Yoris uh, made any contact with the ball, but it's pretty clear that he made contact to brought down Richarlison. So if Conte said he's happy with the one with the single point from Goodison Park, he should be. Any major improvements for Spurs will have to wait because the players are now on an international break. Moving on to Liverpool, they suffered a 3-2 defeat to West Ham. Now, a lot has been said about West Ham's opening goal and a few other questionable refereeing decisions. But let's face it, Liverpool were just outplayed. Uh, yeah, I think they were defensively uh, quite poor uh, in this match. You can argue that uh, Alisson was impeded when he let in that first goal and all that, but he really should have done better with uh, West Ham's uh, second effort. And the Reds defenders also look to be struggling at certain points against West Ham's uh, fast counter-attacking. So I think worrying signs uh, for the Reds in terms of their defence, Klopp, has, uh, he's got some work to do, I think. I think this is just a blip. I have to disagree with Nick. Uh, even though that he could be right saying that Liverpool was kind of outplayed. But again, uh, another referee decision I think might change the game because Cresswell committed a horrendous challenge on Jordan Henderson and he was very, very fortunate not to be sent off. Uh, if he were to be sent off, I think Liverpool would have would have rolled on to, to win that game. When it comes to opposing teams, do you think they've finally figured out how to neutralise uh, Klopp's uh, tactics? I don't think so. I think they can try, but Liverpool is, is such a solid team. It's, such, it's, it's a complete team, you know. Uh, the front three, uh, Firmino, Mane and Salah, they have the in individual brilliance to just take on any defender in the world and just make a fool out of, out of the defender. So the, the opposition might, can or will try to stop them, but they just have more class, I think. 
On to West Ham, a full credit to them. The form this season has been remarkable under uh, David Moyes. Third in the league right now. Do you see them qualifying for the uh, Champions League? I think it is a possibility. We, we have to consider that because Moyes has done a fantastic job at, at West Ham, taking them from relegation strugglers to the top three. Now, he, he has built there a, a team with a solid defence as its foundation, coupled with, like I mentioned, you know, very fast, very pacey players who hit the opposition on the counter-attack. And their set pieces, I think, are some of the best in the league at the moment. But much more than that, he has shown that he can get the best out of his players, or the players that he has, and he has gotten them playing together as a team with fighting spirit and, and, and you know, with determination in every game. And I think it's not just Champions League qualification that people are talking about already. There are some saying that you know West Ham could maybe pull off, a, quote-unquote, a Leicester and go on to win the league. I, I don't think winning the league is, is a possibility at this point, uh, but I, I definitely like to see them uh, give it a good go to try and make the Champions League places. And it does make you think, right, what would have happened if Man United gave Moyes time? Oh, the million-dollar question to me, I guess. Um, I think he would have done way better at United, but uh, after seven months, was it six or seven months, uh, managing Manchester United, I think... The fans, the board wasn't really wasn't really prepared for United to play that kind of football. It was sideways. It was so, so defensive, so negative. It wasn't the Old Trafford way. It wasn't the Manchester United way. Uh, unfortunate for Moyes, but I think this he might be just the right manager to manage this mid-table team to bring them up. That's what I think on Moyes. Speaking of Man United, 2-0 uh, losers against Man City. Yeah, 2-0. And if not for the hair, it could have been a much heavier defeat. Uh, City were, as we expect, love a City side, very well organised, very composed and very comfortable because United didn't look like they were going to pose a threat. If you notice, City players, they, they seem to know what to do, you know, where they need to be, what they need to do. United players, on the other hand, were merely kind of reacting to what was happening. There was no clear system or pattern, which is something that we've come to see time and time again over the course of the season. It's just that I think when they do it against weaker teams, they get away with it. But then when you go up against much stronger teams like Liverpool and Man City, uh, and if you don't have a proper system against teams like this, your weakness is very clear for everyone to see. And that's been the problem for Ole, hasn't it? You know, he, he still doesn't know what his best team is. He still doesn't know what his best system is. It's all always a case of just putting something together and then fingers crossed and you hope for the best. Moving on, uh, Eddie Howe confirmed as Newcastle manager. Uh, the Magpies are currently second last five points from safety. Uh, do you think uh, Howe can save them from relegation? Uh, maybe he can, uh, but I'm pretty sure he needs some reinforcement in the January transfer window. Uh, but to me, this was quite a shock for, for Newcastle to, to hire Eddie Howe because the takeover, I really thought that they would bring a much bigger name uh, to Newcastle, but maybe they're just building it slowly this time around, uh, unlike City or Chelsea. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Newcastle would, would, would progress from here. And I really hope that Eddie Howe could save uh, Newcastle from relegation. I think it's a case of, reality kind of setting in for Newcastle's owners. You know, yeah, you have all these dreams and ambitions of being like a top team, but you have to, to be aware of where you are now, which is like at the bottom half of the table and they need to, to make changes immediately 
to address that, which is why they, they, they brought in how he's got the skill set. And you mentioned reinforcements. You know, we know the owners have plenty of money uh, to buy players uh, during the January window. So the expertise is there, the reinforcements should be coming in. I, I don't see why Newcastle shouldn't be able to, to beat the drop this time. Right. There were a couple more uh, managerial shakeups at the weekend. Uh, Norwich sacked Daniel Farker while uh, Dean Smith left Aston Villa. Uh, let's talk about Norwich briefly. Uh, bottom of the table with uh, just one win. And uh, now some reports say they're looking to sign Frank Lampard. It could be the right move for Lampard. He was managing Derby County before going to Chelsea. It wasn't the Chelsea that you were expecting from Lampard, but it, I think it's because that he is so young in his managerial career. So I think uh, going to Norwich might be just the right move for Lampard to just prove mm. his metal, just get his badges and just to get more experience on his belt. Okay, you uh, you pointed out just now, he's still a young manager. For a club in uh, Norwich's situation, shouldn't they be looking at a more experienced coach? Yeah, I, I don't think Sam Allardyce is available, is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with what, what uh, Karam said. I, I think this is the perfect opportunity for Lampard to kind of prove himself. I kind of felt that he was kind of dumped into the deep end when he was uh, given the Chelsea job, that he should have spent more time with clubs like Derby County and, and, and all that. The only question, Mark, I, I think is, does he have the experience with this kind of relegation battle, you know, down and dirty kind of football? Um, that, that would be the, the only uh, uh, real question mark when it comes to Lampard. Let's move on from football. Uh, Formula One. Max Verstappen won the Mexican GP and he extended his lead over Lewis Hamilton to 19 points. Four races to go. Do you think the uh, Drivers' Championship battle is already in the bag? Yeah, I think all indications point towards uh, a first world title for for the Red Bull driver. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who wouldn't agree that he fully deserves it either. Uh, Verstappen has been, he, he's been as good as we know he is, no surprises there. But he's also been fairly consistent, barring one or two incidents over the course of the season. But but more than that, I think the Red Bulls' pace has been off the charts recently. Even Hamilton has says, has said that he has he has no idea where Red Bull has managed to, to find the extra speed. And the other factor is Sergio Perez, Verstappen's teammate. He has stepped up his game. So we saw how we put Hamilton under pressure in Mexico. It's the perfect team effort from Red Bull to have one driver going for the world title and the other driver offering support. Whereas for Hamilton, he has to go up against both the Red Bull drivers on his own because Valtteri Bottas is, is not giving him the kind of cover uh, or, or support that Perez is giving Verstappen. So I think if things remain unchanged, if Red Bull maintain their pace, they avoid any unnecessary crashes or, or DNFs, I think we'll have a new F1 world champion at the end of the season. Finally, in badminton, uh, Lizzy Jia is facing a spell on the sidelines uh, because of a back injury. He suffered at the uh, Hilo Open final. Uh, Karam, he needs a break, right? He's been playing non-stop since what, September? Yes, since late September. I'm pretty sure he needs a break, but uh, we are still not sure whether he would be making an appearance at the Indonesian Masters next week. Um, but do you... Uh, according to his coach Hendrawan, it's going to be a touch and go. They're going to wait till the last minute of the tournament to make a decision whether he'll he'll participate in the Indonesian Masters. But it's kind of harsh on Lizzie Jia because he's still young. We, we need to remember that he's still young and he's been playing like five tournaments since late September. It was the Sudirman Cup and then the Thomas Cup 
going to the Denmark Open and French Open to the to this high low open. I thought this would be his perfect chance to get his second title of the year, but it wasn't meant to be. His back got injured in the third set in the final match against Lokian Yu, who was born in Penang. If if y'all didn't know that, he changed his nationality to Singaporean. I really hope that uh, Lizija could play in the Indonesian Masters just just to get more experience under his belt. With that, we've come to the end of another Podball Sportscast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I am Faisal American. I am Karami Kamil. And I am Nicholas Jordan.